Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Without further ado, I want to invite For Color Nerds. We're thrilled to have them here, and, and thank you all for coming out in the rain. Gates. We appreciate y'all rocking. We really out. appreciate you guys coming to this because you really didn't have to. Uh, but to jump into it, this is the conversations that black people have. When white people are not in the room. But we record them. And we put them on the internet. We're going to be talking to some awesome people. We'll yes. be talking to... New York Times Magazine staff writer and co-host of the awesome podcast, Still Processing, the fabulous Jenna Wortham. And then we are going to chat with the author of the wonderful book, The Star Side of Bird Hill, the amazing Naomi Jackson. And Naomi will be joined by the creator of the Well-Read Black Girl Book Club and overall books aficionado, Miss Glory Edom. Yes. Give a shout out. Um, so our first guest is, as we said, a staff writer for New York Times Magazine, co-host of the podcast Still Processing, and the author of the greatest holistic health newsletter in circulation, Jenna Wortham. Jenna, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This oh my is a gosh. dream come true. Oh my god, I'm so hyped. This is our dream come true. This is a total pleasure. Um, so, you're a tech writer. Yes. And you have been for a while. You're like an OG tech writer. And one thing that sticks out about your tech writing is that you seem to like embrace like how connected people are to technology. Like you're very like you're healthily skeptical about certain things, but you also are just really interested in the way that people use technology to make their lives easier and also to sometimes even connect with each other. And you know, you know, you have this like genuine affection for technology. Like one time in an interview I heard you say that you cared about the health of the internet. <laughs> but you also like you have this like Phenomenal natural wellness email newsletter. All of you need to be subscribing. Like, it's all about everything. Fermentation and formation. And you're, like, really good about moon cycles and crystals and tonic recipes and acupuncture. Like, how do you reconcile those two viewpoints? Like, the tech person and the natural goddess. I'm so happy you mentioned that. I, ha I forgot to bring my crystal with me. I, brought it, I got a new crystal yesterday, and I, I wanted to carry it around all day today, and I forgot, and I, I've been a little, I'm a little sad about it. Um, 
I, I, this is a really good question. I think for me, I, I really love the internet and I, now I'm at a point in my career where I'm really trying to interrogate some of the hierarchies and the power structures that are in place and why less than 15 out of like all the money that was um, invested in companies last year, there were fewer than 15 investments made in um, black women owned companies or run companies. Like I, these things are not, you know, they don't occur out of thin air. So like mm -hmm. a lot of that work and a lot of that work is really important but it's really depressing also and I started to have just a lot of anxiety and also around the election like all the push notifications like technology I love technology but it also makes me very anxious mm. so I think I had to figure out how to balance that and so the other side of that for me was starting to get into wellness and starting to get into thinking about a lot of holistic stuff and what I could do to take care of myself. And part of it too is I, I kept going to doctors. I kept going to a lot of white doctors and being like, I'm just really anxious. I feel really vulnerable. I feel really exposed. And they'd be like, exercise more. And I'd be like, I do, I exercise almost every day. Like, and I live in New York. That's so much, I walk all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had to start thinking more about how to figure it out for myself. And, and a big part of that was like tinctures and teas and meditation and all the stuff I do put in my newsletter. Do you feel like sometimes maybe like those two viewpoints can go hand in hand, like tech and like wellness? Oh yeah, definitely. I was doing some research into online harassment, why it's still so pervasive online, and I came across this project called, I think it's called Jigsaw by Google, and there, this is what I, I started to see some of the overlap, and there was a moment where I was like, oh, the stars are aligning, like all the things <laughs> I'm interested in are coming together. But they were, they're doing this project where they're trying to assess the toxicity level of a comment section or like a forum. Like and I, it's like a complex mess of algorithms and it's not sponsored anything. So I don't know how good it is, but I think just seeing, understanding that engineers were starting to think about toxicity levels and the way we think about how much lead can be in water or whatever, there shouldn't be any. But you know, we, yeah. we have all these metrics for what we think of as how the, the, when the environment is in good health and when it's in bad health mm -hmm. and that tech companies were starting to assess that in their own environments was really interesting to me and kind of made me start thinking about like, yeah, there is a reason my blood pressure goes up when I get a push notification. There is a reason like I can't sleep if I'm reading the news. You know, it's like I there is a relationship between the devices that we use and the environments that we're in all the time and our health. We just don't really know it yet. You know, it's like the, that research is still coming out. Do you have a tip? If you could offer one tip to everybody sitting here today, who's probably like by the time everybody gets home tonight, everybody's going to be like a little cold, a little nippy, a little agitated. Do you have a tip, like a wellness tip for everybody? Yes, I do. Um, so lately I've been really into, actually Glory was, we were emailing about this recently, but um, I've been really into using essential oils in the home. And a really easy thing to do is just to, I mean, they sell it at every bodega in New York City. Like you can literally leave and get some today, but just getting a little bit of like orange essential oil. And sometimes I'll just like sprinkle a little on the blanket that I use to curl up in on my couch or like on my bedspread or even I'll put a little bit in a water bottle and just like diffuse it in the air. Mm -hmm. It's a really cheap way to like feel refreshed and like get a little bit of a boost. And people use lavender for that too. But orange, I think there's a study coming out or it already came out that orange is shown to actually reduce symptoms associated with PTSD. So that it is, there is starting to be research that these holistic health methods can actually like it's not just like, you know, it's not just placebo effect. Yeah, 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 exactly. So one of our favorite pieces of yours is kind of your profile of the late Miss Cleo. And uh, no, seriously, it was like this clever, like, but also unexpectedly moving, you know, portrait of somebody who at that point, like, 
I'm sad to say I hadn't really thought about, you know, in a long time. It's been a while since he was on like TV late night, those commercials. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, what made you decide to eulogize her? Mm -hmm. um, so that piece was for our last issue of every year, which is called The Lives They Lived. And it's like a death year book, but it's also a really beautiful way to commemorate people who've passed. And the way that they organize it is they send a, um, a link around with all the obituaries from the New York Times, just so we have a, a list, although you're, you're allowed to go beyond that, because the Times it doesn't cover everyone who's passed. But I was going through the list, and I was like, I know I should pick, like, Asada Shakur. Like, I know I should pick someone <laughs> who's just, like, you know, like, yeah. I know I should pick, like, the, I don't know. Um, Muhammad Ali, I should throw my name in for that one. But then I, I saw Miss Cleo's name, and I was like, I'm going to write about Miss Cleo. Because she, to me, represented so much of what I love about the internet, which is that she was, like, you only really knew about her if you were at home, like, up late at night, watching TV, and her memory lives on in the ways that she's been captured and, like, commemorated online through GIFs and, like, YouTube clips. So I just, for me, it's like, I just... I feel like there was a point in time where you only knew about Miss Cleo if you were like, have you ever seen these commercials? Yeah. <laughs> she says she's Jamaican, but I don't know. People call in, you know, and it's just something that was really, like the way that she was able to be celebrated and have this like second life after that career ended because people online were just like sharing her image and stuff was really special to me. And also now, Ms. Cle if Miss Cleo came out today... We need Miss Cleo. Yeah. We, we do need her. We need Miss Cleo. Cleo. We need her. But immediately people would be like, nah, like she's not real. She's a scammer. Like we would know right away. <laughs> and I just miss the time where... And I love that we live in that. Like I love that too. But I also kind of just miss that mystery and like this moment of just, you know, there was, you could create a persona. Like she... I wrote in the piece, I was like, she was doing the Kardashians before the Kardashians were the Kardashians. Like she branded herself, she built an empire, she was villainized for it, and then she just, she moved to Florida and lived on a beach. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, Miss Cleo, you know? Yeah. So. And it, it's also funny, because like, I feel like now, like culture, like there's this kind of like, you're either the scammer everybody loves, or the scammer <laughs> everybody hates, you know? Uh, but like, hindsight, like I actually, like I have a lot of respect, I mean, she had a real oh, hustle, yeah. and like she yes. was out there doing it. And, you know, I think there's something to be celebrated about that, for I sure. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't like to pit black people against each other. But I would say, Miss, I would say Miss Cleo over Dionne Warwick's Psychic Friends Network. You don't have to choose. I'm just, gonna, I'm just here to tell you, you don't have to choose. Everybody's in the club. We live in a like. world where you can love them both, I promise. Yeah. It's a good hustle, though. I think, like, psychic readings is a good hustle. Because, like, I, I mean, you... We're gonna get to this in a second. I do believe in the zodiac. Oh, girl, yes. Yeah, like, you yeah. Have to say it like that. Yeah, I mean, just judging, looking around, I probably eighty-six percent of us believe in the zodiac. It's probably and higher. Real what's fast. that? Yeah, I was gonna say, and ninety-two percent of you are like probably disturbed that I'm a Scorpio, but it is what it Wait, is. Wait, you know I'm a Scorpio too, though. Yes, you are a Scorpio. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Together, this is scary. Taurus love. Um, yeah. That actually brings me to our next question. So we both really love Still Processing. If you haven't heard this podcast, go listen. It's Jenna and also her co-host, Wesley Morris, who is an amazing writer who writes for the New York Times, New York Times Magazine. And um, they have these really great conversations about like pop culture and what's going on in the media and tech and just like the world. And they just keep you plugged in and connected and like together. And so on a recent episode, you guys were talking about Kendrick Lamar's new album, He's a Gemini. He's having a Saturn, his, his Saturn return. This is what we're about to we talk about. In. You we went literally in This is what we're about to talk about. I almost lost the eye so right I'm gonna <laughs> Look, 
you're about to get this education. You need to get your priorities straight. So, yes. So, like, you guys, sometimes you guys teach each other something. And you taught Wesley about the Saturn return. And for those of you who do not know, okay, so, like, Saturn's positioning when you're born. Everyone's looking at me like, okay. <laughs> Saturn's positioning when you're born, okay. Like, it doesn't come back around to that same position until you're about 29 and a half years old, which I am basically right now. I'm in the middle of my Saturn return. And a lot of, like, really important cosmic things happen in your life. It only happens every 20 and a half, what, 29 and a half years. So, like, 29, 58, and 84, you know what I'm saying, Lord willing. And so I talked to Eric about this at work. And no matter how many times I, but no matter how many times I explained to him what a Saturn's return is, you are still skeptical. I mean, like, I, like, I, like I get it. Like I, like I hear what you're saying, but I also just wondered: is like the planet really doing that to me? Like, why the planet? Like, like, like it's all about the tides and the moon. Like it's all connected. But can the planet affect my taxes or something? Can I get like a higher return? Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can clear it up. But like, I mean, we need Miss Cleo. We need Miss Cleo. We need Miss Cleo to like turn it around. Can you convince Eric of just the magic of the Saturn return? Yes, there's some science actually. And I'm trying to recall, as you were talking, I was like, I was a science major in college. That's why I'm always like, what are the facts? The facts aren't real, but are there facts? Because if they are, <laughs> I'm going to use them. Um, there is some science though about people born at the people. Oh gosh, I'll find it. I'm going to send it to you guys so you mm -hmm. can use it. But there was some research about people born at the same time of the year getting, getting some sort of same condition. I don't know. There, but there is some evidence that people born at the same type of the year, time of the year, excuse me, can exhibit some of the same characteristics. But I will say when I was going through that, I was like, I like put my, like shoved my glasses up and was like, so according to Wikipedia, Kendrick Lamar was born at 5 p.m. You know, whatever. And everyone was, they just, they're like, we're not going to make you look totally crazy. We're going to like, and I was like, that part is really important, but I trust your judgment <laughs> guys um so yeah but um but it was funny because at the moment like everyone just kind of is used to me doing my getting into my like zone where i'm like i actually have my tarot cards with me can i put my crystal ball <laughs> on the table do you mind just for ambiance you know let's say tarot is another one you've been trying to yes get yes yes i have a very dear friend who's very talented a talented black woman who reads her tarot and black liberation theory because, like, who else would I know? And who else would I trust to read my tarot? And it's very powerful. Yes. And, I mean, like, I mean, during your Saturn return, you had something, like, extremely important happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we had a baby. But, right. <laughs> so, like, but, I mean, that was set in motion right before the planets came around. I feel like, like, no, there's there some prep work there. The you thing know, is, like, though, is it can start as early as 27. Like, okay. like the universe knows. But yeah. thank you, Jenna, for giving us some science. Hopefully I'm gonna find that link. I'm gonna yes, find that find link. Yeah, find that link because Eric needs to be I'm gonna find that link for you, Eric. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Uh, so the last thing I want to ask you about is a, a couple years back, you and Amina from Call Your Girlfriend, a, another great podcast. Yes. If you're not listening to that, you get your life. Yes. So like, check out Call Your Girlfriend, and you and Amina worked on this idea for Bloop. Yes. And Bloop was a black version of blogs like Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop. And so you published this like this like really good gift guide that was like fun and funny and to be straight up it was like actually a much better version of the stuff that comes out on, on Goop. Uh, I mean no real. shade, but hey, you know, facts are facts. Uh, one, like how did you two come up with that idea? And two, when is it coming back? Yes. I uh. know. R.I.P. Goop. I mean, bloop. Um, no, we want to bring it back. It's just very, it's very time-consuming, and it was also 
we both have a million side projects, but we actually did just start a text message thread about it yesterday. Like, I was like, girl, we got to bring this back because I got ideas. I got things I want, I want to tell people to buy. People, mm-hmm. we out here. Um, but the idea for Bloop came out of um, a text exchange with a bunch of bougie-ass black people. And we were like, y'all out here making Bloop, like black goop every day. And then we just kept saying it because they would be like, one, I'm not going to expose who's on this list, but someone would just like selfie themselves on a, like, on a yacht. And I'd be like, this, what? What's going on? What y'all doing? What you, and they'd be like, well, just like show us what you bought recently. And of course, it would be like a bundle of herbs, you know, or like some sage or some incense, you know. But we were just like constantly posting like pictures of shoes or whatever. And it just, it was really fun. Like it was just this hilarious thing. And it kind of became this competition to be like, and then we were like this, but they do this all the time. Like Neiman Marcus tried to sell collard greens for $80. Like we <laughs> need, much. like it was too much. The other day, someone sent me a, um, I linked to something on Goop, and it was like it was a um, just like a vitamin, like an assortment of vitamins for like a hundred dollars. And I was like, "Girl, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you a cart on Amazon right now for ten dollars." <laughs> like, you don't have to pay a hundred dollars for some vitamins, but it just it was just a joke, and it was very fun. But I had a feeling about it, like I felt a way about it because I don't want to tell people buy things to feel better. Like I'm no. actually not that. That's not really the camp that I'm in. I don't want to be like spend all your money on things, you know. But it was really fun because we were able to support other makers we like. There's so many black creatives. There's so many black women who are making things, books, play, you know, it's just like we wanted to just put shine on people and that was a big, that was a big part of it. It was really fun and then we got an email. I forget who emailed us, but somebody in the Gwyneth camp emailed us and they were like, we love Bloop. And we were like, oh shit, we're going to get acquired. And then <laughs> nothing happened. We were like, we're about to actually be Bloop, like for real. And then we just dropped it. So I say, I it'll come back though. It'll come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah it needs to come back. I mean, you know, it's uh, summertime's coming. I need to know how to step my game up. Right. Yes. I'm here for you. you. Know, I huh? mean, I if I may give a suggestion, um, I'm really into linen right now. I wonder if there's like a way that I could have a linen pantsuit. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if y'all could put that in the Bloop newsletter. I got like, you. I got, I'm your personal Bloop shopper. I'm going to text you some links. I'm going to yes. Google this later. We're building. It's hard to picture linen on this particular day, but, like, I can see where it's coming. <laughs> linen season is coming. I have some on under my jacket because I was optimistic, and it just it didn't work out. Well, Jenna, this is all the time we have for you today. Okay. Thank yes. you so, 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 so much. Thank you for having me. Round of applause. Round of applause Jenna. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everybody. It's Rob Lowe here. If you haven't heard, I have a podcast that's called Literally with Rob Lowe. And basically it's conversations I've had that really make you feel like you're pulling up a chair at an intimate dinner between myself and people that I admire, like Aaron Sorkin or Tiffany Haddish, Demi Moore, Chris Pratt, Michael J. Fox. There are new episodes out every Thursday. So subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life 
without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life. At capella.edu. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Are we all set? All right. All right. All right. Uh, so our next guests are, are also women who have a way, a way with words. One is the author of a novel called The Star Side of Bird Hill, which has been reviewed and heralded by the New York Times, NPR, The New Yorker, and Entertainment Weekly. It's also been nominated for more awards than we really have time to name here today. <laughs> uh, so joining her uh, will be the creator of Well Read Black Girl, a book club that's dedicated to the phenomenal black women on our bookshelves. It also unites black women readers and their favorite authors. Please welcome to the stage, yes. Naomi Jackson and Glory Edom. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, Thank welcome. You. Okay, so my first question is for Glory. So Glory, I've actually known you for a few years. We have we share the same alma mater, Howard University. Yes. HU. HU. Boop boop. Um, but I actually do not know, like I still don't know what inspired you to start Well Read Black Girl. Yeah, that that's a it's a wonderful, wonderful, very selfish story. <laughs> like I literally was looking to like build and make friends in New York. And I was like, oh, I'm going like, to start a book club. It's going to be small and quaint. It'll be like six people. It would not be this Instagram thing that it is now. And part of it was I wanted to meet authors in person. So I actually was at the Greenlight Bookstore, and I met Naomi. And I was like, I really love your book. Would you come to my book club? Thinking she would say no. <laughs> and she said yes. And you know the rest is history. So the idea was really to get a group of women together to talk and to connect. Um, but I didn't have this like grand overarching plan on wow it was going to manifest and grow. It was just necessarily like I'm gonna start a book club, and I've had a book club since I was eight. So it wasn't really like something super unique. It was just like okay, I'll do something different in New York to kind of pull people together. Uh, so Naomi, in the uh, in the Star Side of Bird Hill, two sisters, Dion and Phaedra. They're sent from uh, Brooklyn to Barbados to stay with their grandmother. And in the book, like, you see Dion and Phaedra really, like, really struggle to integrate into this kind of, like, traditional religious community of Bird Hill. Um, but you also see their grandmother really kind of struggle with her, like, new role as their primary caretaker. Um, I think, like, when I was reading it, I was thinking, like, it could have been really easy to make the grandmother in that situation, this like all-knowing, all-seeing, like can do no wrong elderly figure. But you, you really made a point of like just pointing out that she was someone who is human and had like 
and made mistakes and you know she had missteps I'm, I'm curious how you approached creating these like very different yet similar journeys of like you know Dion and Phaedra trying to you know work that relationship out with their community and also uh, their grandmother like trying to uh, like evolve into this new role. Cool. Thanks so much for that smart question. Um, so um, Samuel Delaney says that the best gift that you can give a writer is the gift of intelligent attention. So I always appreciate it. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a coming of age story of these two girls. They're 10 and 16, but also the grandma's coming of age too, because she's um, moving out of being a caregiver to her daughter and now suddenly she has these two grandchildren and so what I understood is that that's not a small thing as many black women um, who are grandmothers who then become kind of second parents again maybe 20 years after they had their first set of children I knew that that was a difficult transition and I have the gift of having a mother a stepmother and three grandmothers one of them has since passed on may she rest in peace but they were all really fierce women and none of them were doormats. None of them were all-knowing and all-seeing. Every single them, uh, one of them is troublesome in their own way. And so, like, they're, you know, one of them is super whiny, and, like, she has to, like, kind of cuss you out every time you call, even if you call every single day. You know, there's one who loves all her grandchildren and would, like, lay down her life for anything that you wanted, which is problematic in its own way. And the other one is, like, super aggressive. Like, I remember we were trying to check her into her nursing home, which she then got, like, kicked out of. Um, and um, I remember in the, like, intake interview, they were like, are you aggressive? She was like, absolutely, I'm aggressive. Um, and it's kind of funny because that's, like, totally me. Um, and so I wanted to create a grandmother character who was real and kind of a composite of the grandmothers who I knew who were fierce and never laid down for anybody. Um, and also, like, a grandmother who had sex, who had been in love, um, who um, had kind of resisted a spiritual calling and tried to push away her destiny, someone who was complicated. I didn't want to create somebody who was like an oracle, um, and I didn't want to flatten out the grandmother character. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so this, the star side of Bird Hill was, um, Glory, that was the first book that you picked for your book club. Yeah. I want to know, why was, like, what about Naomi's book made you want to start there? Yeah. And also, like, how do you even choose what, because now, like, the community has grown. Like, you have, like, yeah, dozens and dozens of women that show up every month. Folks, I see some book club people here. <laughs> Shouts out. Shouts out. Uh, like, how do you choose what everybody reads, and why did you decide to start with Naomi's book? Yeah, well, um, I think, when I was first starting, it was really like a gut check. If I really, if I really laughed out loud, if I cried, if I was like, you know, on the subway and suddenly like looked up, if it made me feel something, I'm very intuitive when it comes to when I'm reading something, it has to really hit me in my, like my heart and my gut. Um, and with Naomi's book, it was the fact that it was centered on two young women that were based in Brooklyn, a space where I'm not originally from, from New York, I'm, I'm from DC and I've made New York my home. And it was something about reading the story felt super authentic and real and I related in such a, a beautiful way that like when I met her I was like super starstruck <laughs> so I was, I seriously was I was like, will you be my friend? <laughs> you know I was just really taken about how often I cried just like reading the woman's yeah. story and like like just feeling that, that connection to the story that I immediately wanted to make it our first book because I felt other black women would feel that. It would resonate with them just as strongly. And the way I do it is I just put new, I always focus on debut authors. Mm. 
so the idea is that they um, have a book in the last like year, year and a half, because I feel that's such a pivotal point. You know, we have folks that are on like their third, second books, but when you're a debut author, you really need people to help amplify your message. You need help with just visibility. Um, and I thought it was important to just like encourage folks that are in the beginning of their careers. Yeah. Can I say something? Mm -hmm. Okay. First of all, so the astrology point. Um, our birthdays are a day apart. We yes. just found out. Um, <laughs> yeah. me and Gloria, so there was an astrological match that we did not even know about. We were pulled to each other. And I'm deeply a believer in astrology. I read four horoscopes before I even get out of bed in the morning. Um, so anyway, um, I just want to say thank you to Well Read Black Girl because it was so, of course I was going to say yes, because it's really difficult as a first debut author working with a mainstream press to figure out how do I reach black women readers? These are the people who I want to read the book who I want to read the book. I wrote this book for them. And so how the heck do I get get in there to those readers? And so Well Read Black Girl is so important. Um, and it's actually kind of funny because I, I could never join a book club because I'm a little bit hateful um, when it comes to, like, if I don't like a book, I don't want to talk to you about why I didn't like it. I just want to, like, move on swiftly to the next thing. Um, so it is perfect for me to come and be invited, but, like, I would probably never join the book club because I have really strong opinions. But I'm just so grateful for the work that you did for me in my career, but also the work that you continue to do for all these other women who come mm -hmm. on after me. Yeah. Yeah. That so beautiful. Yeah, that was really nice. And and you kind of just touched on this, but like, I mean, it's not often that authors would actually participate in something like this. But can you talk about your choice to like engage your readers and like really try to like have this kind of intimate relationship with them? Yeah. And, and just how that's made you feel about your work, even. Yeah, it's weird. So when I was writing this book, I was writing it as if it were a diary, which is the only way I could finish it. Because it was deeply private, and I was really scared to share it beyond that. And then the book comes out, and I so the way that I coped is I was like, well, maybe my mom will read it. In fact, she still hasn't read it yet. Um, <laughs> but that's fine. Like, she made me rum punch from my book party, and, like, whatever. We cool. Um, but so that's how I was coping with, like, any anxiety I had about the book coming out. And then when the book came out, it was incredible to talk to people about it um, because it was as it feels as if someone's talking to you out of the pages of your diary that's how it felt for this book because this first one was so close to my heart um, and I think what's been so amazing the book um, not there there are no spoilers coming yeah, no spoilers. Um, but part of the story is that these two girls their mother's mentally ill and they're dealing with the fallout of that and I'd never read a book like that except for B.B. Moore Campbell's 72 Hour Holds which is an incredible book about a black family struggling with mental illness and so I wanted to write about an experience um, that I had had that I felt like I'd never seen on the page and so what's been most gratifying is having people say my dad was schizophrenic my mother was bipolar my cousin was bipolar nobody in my family talked about it we thought we were the only per people who ever lost our mother we thought we were the only people who, who were raised by our older siblings um, even Danielle Smith's um, novel I'm forgetting the name of it but that's another novel about sisters um, was really important in terms of making possible a certain kind of writing about black girls anyway it's been great um, and it was worth the difficulty because I was really ready to give up on this book. Probably about a year and a half into it, I was like living in Iowa City and I was like, why, God, why? Um, <laughs> I'm from Brooklyn, son. Um, and so let's just say culturally, Iowa City is like not a good fit for me. And so I talked to, um, like there was this black lesbian who was my mentor and she said, your destiny is intact. 
And if you can't finish this book for yourself, finish it for the people who need to read it. And that's why it kept going on. And so um, talking to readers has been extremely gratifying because it made it worth it. Really really I'm cool. just going to chime in to say yeah. exactly that. So um, this isn't something I often share, but my, my mother actually went through depression for several years throughout my childhood, and she's a registered nurse who's the same here in, in your book. That, that's, I mean, it's, it's like the exact same thing, and also first generation. So all these things, like reading it on the page and being able to relate in a way that I was like, this really was like felt very fam familiar. Like it was like something that I had never seen in a story really acted out and beautifully done as well. And my mom's better now, she's doing great. <laughs> but like when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, I could like really feel what the characters were feeling. Yeah. And to me, that's what reading's for is to feel less alone in your yeah. life. It is. That's what it's for. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, speaking of reading, Gloria, I have a question for you. So um, you said that you have been in a book club since you were eight. <laughs> Which, I just wow. went to school, right? I was, like, I was just going to school, right? And also, like, and very few, like, okay, there are a lot of people who love to read, but there are very few. To my mind, you're the only one that I know of who start book clubs for like dozens of people, and also like try to get the authors to come too, and like it turns into like an internet phenomenon. Like, how did you come to love reading? this much? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think a l little bit of it, going back to like um, this idea of self-learning. So when, when my mom was ill and I, and I had like a question about something and I couldn't go to my mom and ask her directly, I would go to a book. <laughs> so it was this, like, and this is like, you know, pre-Google where everyone like Googled something. So if I had a question about something, I would like really like study The Color Purple or like read Audre Lorde or like read June Jordan to have the answers for the, the things I was like seeking or like learning to learn more about. So for, it really was a therapeutic thing of like, I, I might not have the answers in an actual person, not because they're not, they don't want to, because maybe for whatever reason they're not capable to, but I can open up a page of a book and feel better about myself and feel like I can have like confidence in what I wanted to, whatever I want to do. So it became like, I mean, it really became like therapy for me in a lot of ways, so reading these things. And then I feel like when I went to Howard especially, it was like, okay, what kind of adult do I want to be? What kind of like black woman do I want to be? Let me like read this text. It was like really studying self in a lot of ways. Um, and prior to doing that, like, I was reading a lot of, like, Little Women and, like, you know, um, Judy Plum. Like, I was doing all these things, but I never saw myself. Mm -hmm. So I was, like, reading it and enjoying it. But I was like, that's not really me, you know. But I'm reading all these other texts that don't really represent me. So I don't know. I just was, like, trying to find myself in all these books. Um, so... Naomi, so like just to kind of come back to the book a little bit, like something that I really like really enjoyed about the book was that like Brooklyn is like kind of as much of a character in the book as Barbados is, even though like much of the action kind of happens like in Barbados. And, and you also have like a similar duality there as well as, you know, someone who is from Brooklyn, who's also, you know, West Indian. Can you talk about like how like your own life experience related to you building that sense of place in the book? 
Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Flatbush back in the day when it was all West Indian all the time. Um, and so, I mean, I'm sure there were other kinds of people there, but like literally I did not meet an African-American until I was 12. Um, and so they, I was like really curious about African-Americans. I'd watch the Cosby show and I was like, wow, okay. Um, and so um, I, I, I really had this really deeply, almost claustrophobic cultural experience inside of Brooklyn. Um, and my parents would send us home for the summers, um, mostly to Antigua, but also to Barbados. I spent one um, like long spring break that was meant to be therapeutic for me and my stepmother because we were fighting. So my father was like, why don't y'all go to Jamaica for two weeks? and work it out. It actually worked. Um, and so I had had that experience of moving back and forth between Brooklyn and the Caribbean. But the thing is, when I would get to the Caribbean, they'd be like, you're a Yankee, you ain't from here. And they would tease me so bad. I mean, it was horrible. And we went to Vacation Bible School. There's Vacation Bible School in this. And Vacation Bible School was torture because um, I had eight cousins, so there were enough of us to like start a basketball team. And we were all packed into this house. But then we were all different age groups. So then when we got to Vacation Bible School, you were on your own. You know what I'm saying? So so you had to, I was like the one weird Yankee kid and I was like really chubby and funny looking and glasses and the whole night. Um, and so I wanted to write a book that really reflected that experience of moving back and forth between the Caribbean and, and the United States. And that question of authenticity always keeps coming up. I mean, even when I go back, I have an Antiguan passport now um, and I've spent a whole lot of time in Barbados for family reasons, but also creatively. I did my first book tour in Barbados last summer, um, but it's still complicated. You know, when I went back to Barbados last time, uh, the first question was like, you not from here? What are you doing writing about here? And I was like, um, are you aggressive much? But I had my granny, right? So I knew I had, I had, a, I had like a framework for the aggressive Bayesian woman. So I wasn't really offended. I was just like, that's just your face. Um, and so um, I wanted to write a book that really spoke to that experience because everybody I grew up with was a Caribbean kid who grew up in the United States but felt deeply Caribbean. But then you would go home and people would be like, but you ain't. Um, but I just want to say one more thing, which is that as I grew up, I started to understand the privilege of traveling on an American passport and the privilege of being able to move back and forth, right? And so it wasn't just about, like, hateful kids. It's about imperialism and colonialism. And, um, you know, we can get in the travel van. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> but that's why. That's it. Yeah. Oh, thank I got you. one more question for Glory. Um, so, like... Your book club does have like an online arm where yeah. people like share stuff on Facebook, on Instagram, but you guys still meet every month in person. Yeah. You know, it's, that's not necessarily convenient. It takes some pre-planning, yeah. but why, why is it important to you that everybody meet up in person every month? Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of it is about just having community and being able to talk face to face with people, I think that's where the magic really happens. More people will exchange their stories, they'll say how the book impacted them, they'll say like how they they want to change their own lives. I've had plenty of people that come to a book club or that are writing their own books, so they're studying crafts. There's a lot of resources that exchange in the space. So we basically set it up where the first hour is like a resource share. So people share if they're doing a festival, if they're doing a residency, if they're looking for opportunities in writing, so people can just kind of have an opportunity to connect and build friendships. And then the second half is if the author is available, we'll have the author come in, we'll ask questions directly. So the last book we did was um, Whatever Happened to Interracial Love with, uh, by Kathleen Collins. Mm -hmm. So her, her daughter, Nina Collins, was able to come, which was incredible. And so she told us stories about her mother and how she came to like, acquire the book and what she's doing with the archives and how she's growing it. So 
having that close-up contact with the author, like when, when you came to Naomi, we asked you so many questions about your process and what you're planning to do next, what you're working on next, so we can be there and support. Um, but all, all those things happen, it's like a sense of solidarity. And I, I think there's a lot of times people, when you have an internet project, they want to make it about commodity, about how to monetize and get more clicks. I get so many questions about that. And I'm like, that's not my purpose or like the goal. The goal really is the, the value is in the community and the people and being able to support one another and being able to support the authors that are growing. So, you know, when Naomi has her second book, that we'll be able to, you know, come rally behind her and buy her book and get people to do pre-orders and things like that. Like, if there's money being exchanged, I always want it to be going directly to the author and be able to support their work. And not to, like, undervalue anything I'm doing, but that's not my first goal or intent at all. Like, I really want it to be about making, like, the right black women writers flourish at all times. And that's where I get my satisfaction from. And I think a lot of the people actually in the, the book club, too, feel that, you know. But And I try to make that feeling very transparent online, too. Like I respond to all the notes and I like I share like emojis and because it's all about like I try to always say upbeat and like affirmative and everything I'm doing because I don't want this. There's so many other places where you can have negative responses. And when you come to Well Read Black Girl, it's positive. It's like a safe space where you can exchange ideas and meet other women that are like minded and want to read and grow in the same way. Um, so that's, that's really at the end of it. And we're going to be doing a festival soon. Hey, look <laughs> so, out for that. So that's coming in September. Like, look out for the Kickstarter campaign. A little <laughs> thing there. Um, but folks reach out to me all the time just saying thank you. And then sometimes I feel a little awkward. I'm like, for what? But like, I, I know why they're saying thank you, but like, I'm, I, don't, like I don't need those accolades. I'm just like glad people are like excited and want to participate. That's, that's a beautiful thing to actually kind of start to wrap up with before they start to play us out. Um, <laughs> it's like the Oscars. It's just like the Oscars. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we, uh, we're, we're wrapping up, but Jenna, we actually like to just, if we could bring you back up on the stage briefly, just so we could say goodbye and thank you. Jenna, Glory, Naomi, we'd like to thank you so much, seriously, yes. for coming on the show. Yes, yes, we really yes. appreciate yes. it. We appreciate you coming out in this weather. We also appreciate all you for coming out in yes. this weather. Yes. Uh, if you could, just please tell everybody where they can find your work. I don't know. Find me on Twitter. I'm like, I don't even know where my work is. You um, I'm at Jane handle. Deluxe on Twitter. Oh, and I guess nytimes.com forward slash still processing is our show link as well. Yes. Uh, you can find me wellreadblackgirl.com and wellreadblackgirl on Twitter, but BLK. Yeah. And Instagram, wellreadblackgirl. Everything is wellreadblackgirl. Just Google that. <laughs> uh, my website's uh, www.naomi-jackson.com, and all the handles are at the Naomi Jackson, like the one. Yes. Also, yes. like yes. the star side of Bird Hill. Yes, you know, there you exactly. Go. Yes. Read it, read it, read it. It's so good, so good, so good. All right, well, um, thank you so much to the Friends of the Highline for inviting us out here today. Thank you to Adrian and Solana and Oscar and also to our wonderful DJ, DJ Grandrew. Yes, yes. Making us look better than we already do. <laughs> and uh, we also have to say a big thank you to our producer, Bethel Hobte. Um, yes. And thank you guys again so, so much for coming out here today. Everybody, please stay warm. Get yes. warm. Go get warm. Go get warm. Go get warm. Drink some tea. Drink some coffee. Um, and have a good day. Yeah. I'm get right. home safe. Thank yeah. you guys thank so you. much. Thank you.
Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella University's FlexPath learning format lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu.